0: go. piss The following program is by spot- Know the Truth, Incorporated.
1: Today on Know the Truth, Philip DeCourcy offers practical guidelines for evangelism.
2: So when are you to speak? When the opportunity lends itself to do so. Wisdom is having a feel for the moment and how to respond to that moment. And you know what? You and I need to have our antenna up evangelistically all day long, and we need to look for those moments that God is most definitely going to send our way where we have an opportunity to speak the gospel of God's grace graciously.
1: What's on your mind when you leave home each day? Are you focused on your to-do list or are you looking for ways to reach the lost? Today on Know the Truth, Philip DeCourcy encourages us to make the most of every opportunity to share the gospel. And just like Jesus, we should be wise and engaging, not rude and brash. We're learning to be full of grace when it comes to sharing the good news found in Jesus Christ. Philip is getting down to details today in a message titled, Salty Speech.
2: let's take our Bibles and turn to Colossians chapter 4. I want to look at verses 5 through 6. There's so much information here, we don't want to miss all that's entailed. We're in a series, Total Grace. The Christian life is a matter and a movement of grace from start to finish. And I want to reinforce that. And we want to see different aspects of God's grace. There's saving grace, Ephesians 2. There's strengthening grace, Hebrews 4. And what we're going to see today in Colossians 4, there's speaking grace. I hope you realize you have a responsibility to speak the gospel of God's grace. And he's going to give you grace to do it. And you got to do it graciously. That's what we're about in a message I've called Salty Speech, Colossians 4, 5 to 6. One of the men that influenced my life was an Irish Baptist pastor and church planter by the name of Jim Henry. He was a friend of my father. Jim Henry was a man who wanted to fulfill the Great Commission. He never wanted the greater commission to become the greater mission in his life. He always wanted to communicate the gospel. And so he made it a goal in life, and he publicly stated this One of the goals in his life was never to end the day without having at least one meaningful conversation with someone without Christ about Christ. According to Jim Henry, a day is lost if you get to the end of it without having spoken to the lost. As we turn to Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 to 6, that's Paul's passion. And that's Paul's perspective also as he addresses the church at Colossae. Walk in wisdom towards those who are outside. That's not just outside the church gathering. It's outside Christ, outside salvation. Walk in wisdom towards those who are outside, those without Christ. Redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Paul encourages the Colossians to go through life with their eyes wide open, looking for every possibility to share Jesus with those without him. So here's my outline. Be tactful. Be thoughtful. Be tasteful. Here's the first thought. Be tactful. Verse 5, walk in wisdom toward those who are outside. Conduct yourself smartly before the world. When you break the huddle on a Sunday morning and you go to play the game of life, act smartly. Be wise. Or to put it simply, act with tact. First Thessalonians four twelve, write it down, speaks about walking properly before those who are outside. You and I have a God-given responsibility to be tactful towards those who don't know Christ, to act properly, to gain their respect where that is at all possible. Some are so disposed against the gospel, no matter what you do, no matter what you say, you'll never win them. But I think a majority of people will listen. A majority of people will seek to hear you out. And it's your job to make them at the end of that conversation, having watched your life go, that's the real deal. And you gain their respect by punctuality at work, polite conversation, compassion towards them and their hurt, all of that. And for a few moments, I want to think that out. What does it look like in the context of personal evangelism? Remember, we've got this complementary contrast being drawn between the preachers and the evangelists and the expositors and the wider congregation who are to walk in wisdom to those who are outside the church and outside of Christ. What does that mean with regards to who you ought to evangelize, what you ought to say as you evangelize, and when you ought to evangelize? Who, what, and when? Number one, who. What does it mean to act wisely in personal evangelism with regards to who? Well, generally speaking, who is anyone outside of Christ who's willing to listen? But let's be honest too, not everybody listens equally. You've got the parable of the sower that went forth to sow and there was different responses. Some were hard-hearted and didn't want to listen. Others listened and then forgot what they heard and others embraced what they heard and were wonderfully saved. But the point is this, you and I need wisdom and discernment. When sharing the gospel. As a general modus operandi, you and I are too. Wherever we are, in any line at a checkout, in any classroom on a university, in any factory floor, any office space, anybody can become an object of our concern for Christ. That ought to be the case most of the time. But wisdom would remind you sometimes there may be a better time to speak or that person's not at a place to receive. You say, Pastor, are you sure? Well, I'm taking the idea from Matthew 7-6 where Jesus says to his own disciples, don't give holy things to dogs and don't cast your peril before swine. So while you and I go out today with the idea that anybody I meet is someone I want to share the gospel with, be cautious, be discerning, be wise as to Who, some people are not ready to receive. Some people are antagonistic and hostile, and you can only pray for a better opportunity at a better day. So you get the point. Number two, what? What are we to share? What are we to say? We're told to speak, to actively share our faith on a daily basis in the midst of life. But what would the content of that speech look like seasoned with grace and salt? Well, let me say this. The issue I'm addressing is not the content of the gospel. We all know what that is. There's one name under heaven given among men whereby they might be saved. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by him. So if you're going to share the gospel, you've got to get people to him because they'll never get to the Father without him. But what I'm addressing is how do we draw people to the cross where we want to clearly communicate the gospel? I want you to notice verse 6, the words, they're very, very helpful. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how to answer each one. Now, it seemed seen to me in verses 2 to 4, Paul's praying for an opportunity to speak Christ widely through public preaching. It's kind of a Billy Graham, Greg Laurie kind of ministry. Or even a Sunday morning where every faithful pastor doing the work evangelist preached before a crowd. It's direct. It's a monologue. It's a sit there and listen. But here, it's individual. It's conversational. It's dialogical. And those two things complement each other. They aren't meant to be happening at the same time. It's not simply public preaching and it's not simply personal evangelism. Some are called to the public preaching, but all are called to the personal evangelism. And it seems to me you've got to treat each person as an individual. That's the wisdom that's here. Who? What? What ought you to say? Well, it seems to me you ought to say what's appropriate given the person you've just encountered. Give them an appropriate answer to their situation. Some people are prisoners to intellectual questions Does God exist? Is the Bible true? Explain to me if God is loving and powerful, why my child has Down syndrome or why my son was killed by a drunk driver in a fateful moment. You've got to address some of that before I'm going to listen to you about Christ. Or some people have emotional hang-ups. They're hurt. And some of them would even make an argument they've been hurt by the church official. And that's a barrier. Some people just can't see themselves ever getting saved, given their sinful habits or addictions, how far they've fallen. I mean, you know the spectrum of people. Some have got intellectual, some have got emotional, some have got practical issues. Now, we all know where we've got to get them. We've got to get them to the foot of the cross. (laughs) There's only one gospel we're going to preach, and that's Jesus Christ one name under heaven. But you know what? It would do them good, and I believe it would reflect the glory of God well, that you and I would address them creatively, wisely, personally, and individually. We need to navigate those waters with great skill and adeptness, which would remind me, I'd like to make this argument, that you've got to treat everybody as an individual in evangelism, Now, there are contacts for mass evangelism and street preaching. I get that. But the modus operandi for the majority of us will be one-on-one conversations with neighbors and workmates and family members. And when that opportunity arises and God gives it, we need to embrace it and speak the gospel. But as you do it, don't do it in a cookie cutter fashion. I don't want to be misunderstood, but I'm going to say it. With the qualification. I'm thankful that God has used the Romans road. We've all learned it. In some of my earliest, you know, evangelistic experiences, I was taught the Romans road. Take people down the Romans road. Get them to, you know, Romans 3, and then get them to Romans 5, and there was tracks to that end. I'm thankful that, and God in the sovereignty has used that. But I believe this text is reminding me you can't force everybody down the Romans road. There isn't a way or a technique that covers everybody. So when it comes to wisdom, the who and the what, we've got to have a targeted approach. As time allows and opportunity allows, I I realize that can be qualified, but in the normal set of circumstances, as you get to know that person and God gives you an opportunity to share the gospel with that person, you've been thinking about how you might do it. And when the opportunity comes, you give them the answer as each man requires. You don't go skipping past their intellectual questions. You don't poo-poo their emotional hang-ups. You understand the darkness of their sinful habits. and You try and bring the hope of the gospel to them. In fact, if you read the gospels and see what Jesus did, I don't need to tell you this or give you examples. You'll know that he didn't have a cookie-cutter approach. He didn't deal with Zacchaeus the same way he dealt with a woman caught in adultery. He was adept to adopt to the person, the circumstances. He had a certain tact with the religious type. He had a certain tact with the prostitute and those considered outcasts and sinners in the culture. I love it. It's challenging. Just even do that for some homework. Read your Gospels with a set of new spectacles this week and look for ways in which Jesus addressed people. There's a variety. In fact, half the time, he's answering questions that were brought to him. It's almost like a Colossians 4. He was wise since all wisdom was treasured up in him. When people came, he took the opportunity and he spoke with grace and his conversation was seasoned with salt. It was flavored. It was kind of individual and personal to them. Woman, go and sin no more. Zacchaeus, get down here. Today, salvation will visit your house. I like the story of the American tourist I've told you before who, who got lost among the country lanes of Ireland. He stopped his rental car and he asked one of the locals for directions to Dublin, and the man replied, Well, if I were going to Dublin, I wouldn't start here. <laughs> well, okay, I get it. But that doesn't help the tourist in his rental car is lost. Help him get to Dublin. And it seems to me that little story speaks to evangelism. If you've got a one-size-fits-all approach, it's going to be abrupt. It's going to be blunt. I think you're in danger of turning someone off the gospel. Be adept. Answer to each one. Take them where they are and help them get to the cross. Finally, when, who, everyone, although ask for wisdom, sometimes it's inappropriate at a given situation to share the gospel, given the hostility. What? Oh, it's the gospel every time. But how you speak ought to be marked by grace and flavor and personal individual touch. When? When the opportunity lends itself. And I think those opportunities are all around us every day. Redeeming the time. We'll see that's an idea of buying up the opportunity grasping the moment. Remember what we said about wisdom? Wisdom is having a feel for the moment and how to respond to that moment. And you know what? You and I need to have our antenna up evangelistically all day long. And we need to look for those moments that God is most definitely going to send our way where we have an opportunity to speak the gospel of God's grace graciously. And so when are you to speak? When the opportunity lends itself to do so. When you're given an opportunity to respond to someone's questions about the Christian faith, that seems to be an emphasis, doesn't it? How you ought to answer, the implication should be they're talking to you and you use that opportunity to turn it to the gospel. Hopefully as Christians walk wisely before the outside world, the way we live, the way we love, the way we laugh, raises questions on the part of the man of the woman without Christ who watches us and they ask us, Isn't that what 1 Peter 3.15, give an answer or a reason for the hope that lies within you to every man that asks? I know I can qualify this, but I'll let it stand as it is. This is warning us against forced and manipulative evangelism. I want to say, I don't want that to be taken as an excuse to sit on your hands and don't try to evangelize until bells ring and lights flash. But I am noticing within the text, and Dick Lucas helped me with this. Notice verse 4. Paul is speaking, public preaching, exposition, evangelistic work done by evangelists. What is their greatest need? Remember, theirs is a monologue. They're going to get up and just thunder the gospel. And so they're praying for open doors, and they're praying that they might know what they ought to speak. But I want you to notice the subtle change. It's clear that we're to speak with grace. But I want you to notice how we might answer each one. Verses 2 to 4, we've got direct evangelism done by those gifted in preaching and evangelism. And then what we've got in verses 5 to 6, Dick Lucas makes this argument, is what he calls responsive evangelism. Not passive evangelism, but responsive evangelism. You're alert, you're alive, you're active to the thought that today God's going to give me an opportunity, as Jim Henry always did, to find a meaningful conversation with someone that doesn't know Jesus. But I want you to notice, this isn't direct evangelism, this isn't preaching at people, you know, this is you, or the church it would seem, in the normal course of life, As we walk in the midst of the outsiders, that's the office, the soccer pitch, the neighborhood street. You're there, and God's going to give you an opportunity to speak. And most of those opportunities are going to come as you respond to things your neighbor has said or a question they have asked. And then you're going to ask for wisdom to do it graciously and grippingly. This is conversation, this is life this is insiders in contact with outsiders on a daily basis. Pray that we might know how we ought to speak, says Paul, the preacher. And then he says, and you need to pray that God might give you wisdom to know how you ought to answer those who ask of you in the midst of life. Listen to what Dick Lucas says, and we'll wrap this up. It's obvious what strain this removes from the conscientious Christian. The pressure to raise certain topics and reach certain people can make it difficult to live or talk normally. In any case, we go to the office to work, not to evangelize. But by being ready and willing to respond, the way is open to a more serene and successful approach to each day's opportunities. I like that. It's taking the anxiety out of evangelism it seems, Acts 8-4, that they went about everywhere gossiping the gospel. This was the calling of the majority of Christians. Where their antenna is up every day, they know they've got to go into the world and teach and preach and share the gospel. They realize, hey, you know what? I'm not at church. I'm at work. I'm not at church. I'm at school. And you're going to sensitively appreciate the difference... You're now in the outside world and you can't go barging and bullying your way into a conversation. That's what John Newton's trying to think out. How do I insert the gospel into polite conversation? Lord, give me wisdom. Guys, let's talk about it. And Paul's helping us to do it. Be active in the sense you're always looking. Be responsive in as you look. God gives you, it's maybe a word, it's maybe a phrase, it's maybe a direct question when you sense, oh, this is an opening, and you say to that person in the line at the coffee shop, in the shop, on the sports field, you know what, can I share something with you? And boom, you bring the gospel in creatively, sensitively, graciously. That's so helpful. Many are given to direct evangelism, and they're gifted in that area. But we are all called to speak with grace, the gospel of grace. And we'll do that as we respond to the God-given situations. And we'll do that as we've taken time to get to know the people within our circle of influence. And we tailor... And we target them with words that are appropriate to them, that answer their intellectual questions, that address their emotional hang ups, that speak to them about the power of the gospel to break their cycle of sinful behavior. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this challenge. Help us, like Jim Henry, to make it our goal in life each and every day to have a meaningful conversation with someone without Christ. Lord, that won't happen if we're not looking for it. That won't happen if we don't have answers to their questions. That won't happen if we are adept in adapting to the situation you present us. So help us to work at the work of evangelism. Help us to be personal in personal evangelism. Lord, we thank you for preachers and evangelists who've gifted, who excel in this arena. Bless them. Give them platforms to preach. Bless our radio ministry across this country. But Lord, all of us are called to speak with grace, the gospel of grace. Lord, some of us have been silent for too long. Help us to speak. Some of us have been blunt and ungracious and done the gospel harm. Help us to repent. Help us, Lord, to be good ambassadors and gracious ambassadors for Jesus Christ. Help us to realize that a day is lost if we don't speak to the lost. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen. That's the powerful and practical message about evangelism from Philip DeCourcy here on Know the Truth. And as just part of the new Total Grace series, we're exploring how grace saves us, grace changes us, and grace shapes us so we can make the gospel known. For more resources about God's life-changing grace, visit us online at ktt.org. And while you're on our website, be sure to take the KTT Listener Survey. It's your chance to tell us what Know the Truth means to you. Now, the new year has just gotten started, and we're already working hard to put together some great studies for 2019. They include our current study, Total Grace, plus a new series in Daniel and another about heaven. But let me remind you that Know the Truth wouldn't be here without you. It's the financial support of faithful listeners that makes it possible for us to share the bold and convicting Bible teaching of Philip Corsi all through the year. Your generosity is what sends out God's truth through the ministry of Know the Truth. Now, when you give today, we'll send you the book called Grace Focused Optimism by C.L. Chase. Philip will be referring to this book throughout our current study, so it's a great one to start reading now. You'll learn how to live a life governed by grace the grace that transforms your heart your relationships and your love for god request the book grace focus optimism when you make a generous donation to know the truth call right now 888-644-8811 or go to ktt.org and when you visit our website be sure to let us know how this ministry is impacting your walk with christ You can do that when you take the Know the Truth listener survey that you'll find on our homepage. This is your chance to tell us what matters most to you. Again, the survey is online at ktt.org. Again, that's ktt.org. I'm your host, Wayne Shepherd. Learn more about God's amazing total grace when you join us Friday on Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free.
0: Sebastian Gorka is excited to start his own radio show. Can't be more excited to be joining the Salem team. This is the best faculty in talk radio. Dennis Prager, Hugh Hewitt, Larry Elder, Mike Gallagher, Eric Metaxas. Wow. We love it. America First with Dr. Sebastian Gorka. America First with Dr. Sebastian Gorka. Weekday afternoons at 3 on AM 780 WAVA. Weeknights at 10 on AM 570 The Answer. And all the time on Washington's AM 1260. You'll always get this straight story from Dr. Sebastian Gorka. Look at ISIS. Who who talks about ISIS? ISIS was on the front page every day beheading people. Nobody talks about them. Why? Because we have leadership in the White House. We have Donald Trump with reasserting American leadership in the world. Starting January 1st, it's America First with Dr. Sebastian Gorka. Weekday afternoons at 3 on AM 780 WAVA and weeknights at 10 on AM 570 The Answer.